Just before we dive straight into this episode of the Loose Heads Clubhouse podcast with Tom Dunn, the audio is slightly off at times. We do explain the reason behind this at the start of the episode. Apologies in advance, but stick with it. It's a great chat with a great guy. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Tom Dunn. I'm the hooker for Bath Rugby, and you're listening to the Loose Heads podcast. Hi, Tom. Great to have you on board today and uh, and have a chat. First question for me is, is uh, how are you out of 10? I'm good. I'm very happy at the minute. I'm a good 8, eight out of 10. Maybe nine. Amazing. And I, I just wanted to uh, quickly, just before we jumped on, we uh, we spoke about uh, the headphones thing. Just um, and enlighten the um, enlighten the listeners about the fact that you can't you can't actually wear headphones. Uh, no, I've got reasonably bad cauliflower ears, so the in ear earbud experience doesn't work for me. Um, but I've also got quite large scabs on my ears, so if I put any sort of over the ear appliance on they stick to it when i end up taking the headphones off i'll pull off the scabs as well so i just go don't don't bother that's absolutely crazy that's mad mad and and a weekend off last week with uh with no match which obviously coincided with half term what what did you get up to i took a trip to legoland on one day with the kids um which was thoroughly enjoyable but i spent a lot of time queuing um <laughs> yeah serious queuing you queue for everything there you queue for hot dogs you queue for rides you queue for the car park it's um it's impressive but it was a good day good fun <laughs> what 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 is legoland like now I've, I've not been for about i don't even know 20 years <laughs> uh, it's pretty good like i was quite impressed there's lots of uh still got the driving school so the kids got their driving licenses um the <laughs> rides if you go on they're just over that 90 centimeters tall now so they can get involved in it all by themselves which is which is good fun which is good for me as well um so yeah it was good fun busy i think you could spend a couple of days there if you really wanted to nice and you're a you're a big family man and i saw on your instagram story a couple of nights ago it was halloween what what, did, what were you dressed up as i was a pirate <laughs> and how was that trick-or-treating it was wet <laughs> um the missus was a clown the two boys were pumpkins and my daughter was jackler so it. um it was good a nice fun evening but just wet love it and the first first part of the podcast usually is where you answer a question left by the last guest but i was so engrossed in the chat i forgot to ask the question to the to the last guest which was simi pam so i've come up with a question myself this week and that is so simi did a photo shoot with gymshark a few months ago and she's been created into a mannequin doing a, a deadlift in their new shop on regent street which opened over the weekend so my question is what's your favorite exercise or machine in the gym and why mm, i we uh, we have uh things called tanks and they're like almost a sled that you push. Yeah. Uh, they're quite heavy resistance, but you only push them for like a meter or two. I'm quite enjoying them at the minute. Um, it's more like of a, I feel like it's more of a realistic exercise related to the pitch rather than like a bench press or a deadlift. So I'm quite yeah. enjoying them because they relate to the pitch quite a bit. Yeah. And um, haircuts have become a bit of a theme on the podcast recently. We had Jacob Umaga and Simi Pam who have recently done something uh, different with their hair. And again, we've got yourself, Tom Dunn, on the podcast this week. And Tom, you've done something recently with uh, with your hair too. You did have the best slash worst mullet in the uh, in the Premiership or in rugby, uh, and it's disappeared. Yeah, the scullet, I called it. It was a dodgy, <laughs> weird, dodgy, weird, dodgy mullet. It was raising money for M&D. I was meant to originally keep it for a year, but after the year that Bath Rugby had last year, I didn't really shout about it and advertise it and uh, make a big deal about it. So I kept it for a little bit longer and had it for about 16 months in the end. So shaved it off, raising money for M&D and raised just under £3,000 actually. So I was really happy with it. Great work. And, and just enlighten people about 
why you did it for Motor Neuron Disease Association and, and, and Doddy? So a couple of reasons. Um, one was my mother half. She works in an end-of-life hospice for Dorothy House, and she sees a fair bit of it, and it's quite an underfunded uh, disease as such. There's no, not one disease is more important than the other, but it is one that doesn't get as much attention as you like your cancer and your heart disease. Uh, and then secondly, just we were talking about that. And then by fate, you could say the next day, a Scottish bloke called Grant messaged me saying he's going to do this thing with Doddy Weir and grow a dodgy mullet. And he asked me if I'd join in. So um, yeah, it just seemed to, seemed to align. So I went for it. Great work. Great work. Motor neuron disease uh, awareness is something that is very close to my heart as well. I, I wear it. I get it out uh, here. This wristband every day to remember my uncle who suffered with the, the disease for, for six or seven years. He was given three years to live and, and he lived for six and six or seven years. So it's a horrible, horrible disease that has no cure. So commend anyone that raises awareness for it and, and um, thank you to, to you for using your profile to to raise awareness. Absolutely class. It's It's been a few weeks since Brave in the Shave. Do you do you miss it? Massively, yeah. Big time. <laughs> did you get attached to it? I feel like I've lost my personality a little bit. <laughs> so you did get attached to it then? Massively, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone grow that sort of mullet before. What what made you go for that sort of look? Well, if I'm honest, I can't really grow much at the front as it is. So <laughs> I was pretty restricted for what I could grow. So it seemed to suit me quite well. Amazing, amazing. And during, just to bring it on to rugby now, during the... Um, the first episode we had Joe Joyce and Jamal Ford Robinson on and, and we caught up with them and, and they're best mates and they've got a proper bromance and um, it was a great listen for those wanting to listen, go back and, and have a listen to that and we were talking about the first match of the season which was obviously Bristol Bears versus Bath at Ashton Gate and obviously you were playing in that game and um, it was the match that didn't have the TMO if you remember and we were chatting about the inevitable handbags that happened on the pitch that day and I asked Joyce who was responsible, Can you guess? can you guess who he said? himself <laughs> his words were tom dunn is a proper ledge off the pitch but on the pitch he is nails so he was taking full advantage yeah no it was uh it was good fun i actually i had a little bit of toss with joycey and his insult to me was you posh <laughs> well, i quite enjoyed that one i thought i've actually got him here. he's got nothing left that's it <laughs> if that's his last insult you posh i think i'm winning <laughs> Were there any old school punches thrown at the bottom of the of the rucks that game? Yeah, there was a few elbows dropped, um, a few kicks here and there. But you know, it's such a fine, fine, fine line. You know, you got to be really—I don't know if "clever" is the right word. But, yeah. Um, I didn't participate in that myself, but it was received. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I guess that's you know that's not going to happen again where there's no TMO. So making full advantage of it. But here's here's your chance to go back at him. Obviously, we know Joyce is a great character off the pitch, but what's he like on the pitch? Yeah, he's tough. Yeah, he's a <laughs> He's a big lump, you know. He's not. I don't want to be. Just, he's not the most powerful. Like you don't look at him, things and knock you over. But he's a very dense man to hit. So yeah, yeah it takes it out of you. And obviously, you know, li- living your dream. You're a you're a Bath lad, born and raised, um, playing for your hometown club. Obviously, you're wearing the Bath the Bath jumper there. You're wearing it proud proudly. Um, how how special is it? Yeah, no, it's it's massive for me. Um, like I said it before. It's almost like an identity now for me. Uh, you know, some people grow up and they um, they love fishing, and that's their identity. And I've always loved rugby, and now it's always been Bath rugby. So since I put the shot on at 14 years old in the academy, I mean, I was a season ticket holder before that. Um, but yeah, I've been, it, it is, you know, people think of Tom Dunn now and they think of Bath Rugby. So it's not just me, it affects my family and everyone involved. So it's almost an identity for me, yeah. Yeah, I like that. What What's it like to play at the rec? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I find it really special now. Um, I have like a little bit of a pre-match routine where I do two half laps of the pitch. Yeah. Um, I've always done that ever since my debut. And now when I do it at the rec, I almost know all the faces on the front row. Oh, wow. When I do half a lap now, I say, hello, how are you? Like, almost, how's, your, how's your son? How's your family? I kind of got that relationship now with, with a few of the fans, which I really cherish. Yeah. But a cold place to play in the in the in the winter. It can be, yeah. It can be a bit wet this foot as well. <laughs> I went to the uh, I went to the Quinns match last season. I think it was during December, January. I think it was it was the one that that, that you guys won. And I think um, it's got to be the only acceptable place in rugby where you can sit in the stands with a glass of wine. Yeah, no, it does have that touch to it, doesn't it? I mean, you're looking at the cathedral and looking at the city itself. It's pretty special yeah it's where the gods would play and of course um there's farley house as well i was lucky enough to visit recently for a for a meeting and what a special place i think you know it's it's, it's probably not a bad place to turn up for work every day yeah it's very unique it holds its own challenges within that but then there are massive positives to it as well you know like you you feel lucky when you drive down the drive yeah and what's it like been what, what's the the mood in camp at the moment what's what's it been like this season you know being at you know, being in every day at Farley House. It's positive. Um, like we're we're a very fresh team, fresh staff. We had a big change in the summer. A lot of lot of off field staff changed, a lot of on field changes. Um so yeah, it's been very it's been it's been very fresh. Um and we've got a lot of belief. So and that's the main thing, that's the important thing we have here is results haven't gone our way, but we still believe in, in what we're doing. Yeah. No, I love that. And is isn't there there is a um there's a house opposite the training pitch, isn't there, for some of the players, the new players. Is that right? At Farley House? There's a few houses here, yeah. So Johan and JP both live here at Farley. Wow. Uh, there's a couple of academy houses which got the 18 year olds in. And then there's another house, Hunter's Lodge. I think it used to be like the groundsman's house. Uh, Aaron Oss is in there at the minute, who's the big Nibian tight head who's here on a short term loan. So yeah. they do put up the boys here as well. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was obviously you say it's, it's a new group at the moment, but the resilience of the Bath, Bath squad over the last you know, season or so. And I think you guys will be the first to say, I think you said it before, um, that last season wasn't the best and it was tough for players, staff and, and fans alike. But just for you personally, how tough was it not being able to pull the jersey on? I know you were injured for, for quite a lot of the season and, and get stuck in with the lads. Yeah, it's, you know, any other player would tell you it's the worst part of the job. Being injured, um, it, it sucks, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it, you lose, for me, I lose that purpose um, I'm a rugby player I want to play rugby if my rugby player doesn't play rugby then, then what are you you're a bit of a cheerleader um, you've always got to do your bit for the team and you can do the stuff off the field like help with reviews previews take meetings um, give some knowledge that you have if you have any but yeah no it is tough yeah we talk a lot at, at loose heads especially about the impact of injury like you said there but also selection you know just just how tough is it to keep going um, especially when the team you know isn't isn't getting the results that they they deserve on the pitch after after decent performances. Yeah, no, I'm saying I said injury's tough. I think selection is actually tougher. Injury is factual. You can't play because you are broken and you can accept that because you can't argue with it. Um, selection is ultimately an opinion. I went through a period in my career between about 2012, 2014, where I didn't start a game. I think I played maybe 15 games in two years where I was just so frustrated and so desperate to play. Um, yeah. I think ultimately you've got to remember that it is an opinion and it's not um, black and white. It's not you are not good enough. It's he doesn't think you're good enough. Um, my, my bit of advice now to the to young lads who don't get picked or who are struggling with selection is to don't worry about what they say you're not good enough at. Keep practicing what you are brilliant at because ultimately that's what will get you picked. Yeah. Everyone's, 
you're not getting picked, the coach will always give you a reason. You're too fat, you're too light, you're not quick enough, you're not strong enough, your set piece isn't good enough, your passing's not good enough. All, they have to justify it to themselves to give you a reason. So that's always going to be the case, whether how good you are at it or not. So if you work on what your biggest strength is and make that so good, they give you a reason to pick you rather than not to. Yeah, I really like that advice. Is that something that, I think you said it there, but is that something that you, you spot within Bath, you know, players that might not be getting selected, you go and put a, put an arm around them, you, you, you sound and you... It feels like from the outside looking in, you're, you're that sort of character that would go and, you know, you missed a bath, go and put your arm around one of the younger lads and say, you know, keep keep your head up and, um, you know, it, that, that chance will come. Yeah, um, I like to think I'm like that. I've, I think I'm quite unique in the way I'm, I've been in most boys' positions. So whether they're a uni scholar and they're here two days a week, I've done that. Whether they're an academy player full-time, whether they're a fringe first-team player, whether they're a starting first team player uh, whether they're a fringe international not getting picked that's tough as well yeah I, I've, I've kind of covered all of it so I like to think I, I might not have the answers but I can understand a little bit more yeah. um, and having that ability to know what to say obviously you, you spoke in an interview with with us at Lucid's a few months ago about the whole injury and selection topic and you actually said something that has stuck with me ever since um, and I've thought about it quite a lot and it was that whole identity and purpose piece that you mentioned just there and you said you said something really interesting and that was if you're Tom the rugby player and you're not playing rugby you're just Tom and it gives that loss of, of identity and it's important to focus your energy elsewhere in order to to gain that purpose can you just talk a little bit about what that looked like for you last season uh so for me when I, I had uh back injury so I was out for about eight weeks and then my first game back uh did my MCL on my knee and then it was 12 weeks after that so I had quite a big chunk out injured I had hobbies I had I like my meat and my butchery so I kind of got stuck into that a bit more and I actually set up a hog roasting company called black and white so we do um hog roasts spit roasts outdoor catering basically so I've been getting stuck into that when I was injured and now it kind of tick along it ticks along in the background and keeps me busy now as well yeah Nice. And um, obviously, it's the black and white butcher. Um, it's been been uh, featured at the Bath Games as well. Obviously, when you're p- picking the rugby back up, um, how's, how's it been going? No, it's been good. Yeah, I think the fans agree it's, it's a nice bit of grub. Um, yeah. I actually did a hog roast for the boys last week because we had no game last week. So on the Friday oh, after training, nice. I brought my spit roast out and we had a big hog roast and all healthy and nutritionally balanced meal. Very nice. Very nice. What what made you get into that in the first place? Um, so it was, it was back probably in my original like journey to a butchery for early 2012, 13, when I wasn't playing and I wasn't getting picked. And when you're like that sort of age of 21, you're 22 and you're not quite making it, you do start to panic a little bit. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I actually went to a company in Bristol and started to be a working their wholesale butchers and I started like started off with basic you know basically cutting up chickens and cheap meat and then work onto your pigs and onto your beef um yeah. so yeah, I just I started at the butchery then and I've been trying to keep my tabs on that like Vale House Kitchen over in uh been doing some bits there with them with their venison and their game and uh, curing meats and curing my own bacon and just then I got into the barbecuing with the Traeger yeah so I smoke a lot of meat a brisket short rib pulled porks so I've just always been into that kind of element of it and it just kept growing Amazing. And then you won the RPA Gainline Award too. Yeah, that was for the off-field contribution. So I obviously had that going on in the background with yeah. the butchery stuff. I did a level three personal training course. Uh, I coach as well at Chippenham Robbie Club. So I'm a, I'm a uh, basically a forwards coach there. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do keep busy with the three kids as well. So yeah, I think it was just more, for, it was more for like the balancing act, I think, rather than just one element yeah. of it. Nice, nice. No, great work. And, and obviously the, the sort of life away from rugby, just to, just to continue on that theme, um, you, you were at University of Bath as well. And is, is that whole, you know, with something that we talk about quite a bit, Lou said, is, is the planning and preparation for life after rugby. You know, when doing that course at university, is, is, is that at the forefront of your mind, um, focusing on what's next? Not then it wasn't, no. So if my, my pathway was quite different to others. Um, I wasn't, so, I, well, I went to, uh, I changed school at 16, uh, then changed school again at 17. It wasn't the smoothest route for school for me. Um, ended up working a lot when I was in my late teens, so like, I was working at Starbucks, working behind a bar. Even when I went to university, I worked full-time as well. So I worked at a bar in Chippenham called Soho Inn, just outside Chippenham. Um, I worked there. And then when I finally got my professional contract at the bar, that's when I stopped working. So I always had that kind of drive to work and to, to do a lot more than just rugby. But because I wasn't given the full-time contract of rugby at 18, when I went, to, I had to go to uni to stay in the system here. Um, there was bath that have like a... Um, a sister club or an associated club you can go to on yeah. loan and you know be looked after there so I played a lot of um, amateur rugby as well I played at Bournemouth played at Chippenham played for the Wiltshire and Dorset County men's team so it was a bit of a different path route in so that always kept it at the forefront because I had to work to pay to let me go to university to, to yeah. let me play rugby I had to work and one of the big things that Lou said is obviously we work with Premiership Rugby and, and, and clubs like Bath but our, our big focus is in the grassroots game and obviously you're you've come from that grassroots uh part of the game and it, most players have but you know sort of deep rooted in in grassroots obviously you, you're coaching at Chippenham just how important what does rugby mean to you you said you know it, it's part of your life and it, you are Mr Rugby but what does rugby mean to you opportunity basically I think I think everything good that's happened to me has been given me the opportunity through rugby whether it be even like meeting my other half she played at Bath Ladies and I coached her. That's how I met her. Wow. So you, you could you could go down all the routes and say like my friendships I've got. The rugby my rugby friends are my kids' godparents. Um yeah. my, my mum and dad's friends are my teammates' parents. So everything every opportunity I've been given has been through rugby. Yeah. Question from the uh the Loose Heads Academy, which is a group of like minded individuals that, you know, raise awareness and you know about about mental health and, and about loose heads and, and one of their questions that they wanted us to ask players is, you know, if you weren't a professional rugby player, would you still play rugby? And I think that's that that shines through. It's 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 a resounding yes from from you. Yeah, massively. Um I've kind of got a little dream I'm gonna play for Chitlam again one day. Amazing. Um, yeah, amazing. And you know, just to come back to, uh, not to, you know, come back to this on purpose, but you came out of the uh, the end of last season after a, a record loss against against Gloucester and you said on social media, stick with us to the fans. And I, I can tell you as a fan, because I am one, you know, of rugby, that that is so important. But as a player, just how important is that to show transparency and support the other way? Yeah, I think it's massive. Um, and I think it's it's even bigger when it's honest and it's original and it's authentic. I mean, you, I don't know. You do hear it from other players and other clubs where they talk about it. But I think when it's done in the right way and it's genuinely meant and heartfelt, I think it's huge. It connects everyone together. Yeah. Yeah, and you're back, obviously back playing now, and you've scored three tries already this season. Enjoying it? I am. I'm actually a bit fuming with that stat as well. Cause it was five <laughs> it's five, and- isn't it? Because it's wasps. Yeah, <laughs> but they can't do that one, so I'm pretty yeah. fuming at that. But, um, no, I am enjoying it. it. It suits me. It's a different style of play than we've had in the last couple of years, but I'm loving it. 
Yeah, you'd be chasing down Caden Murley with uh, with the five <laughs> on his oh, tail. Things shouldn't happen, and that shouldn't happen. <laughs> and um, one of the components of this podcast is that we will set a challenge for each guest that comes on to sort of have a go at throughout the season. And we asked Jacob Umaga to do a celebration, and he actually did it before the podcast was even uploaded. So given your try scoring record, I'm thinking we could potentially ask you to do do a celebration in honour of the Loose Heads podcast. And I'm thinking we could align that to your butchering skills. What do you think? Uh, we can. We, I can say yes now. Will I remember it in the game <laughs> when I'm 30 minutes in? Um, I don't know if I will, but I'll, I'll say yes now. What 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 should we go for? What's the uh, what what's the best uh, what's the best thing that we can we can align to being a butcher? I assume chopping would be a good chopping. One. That's quite Let, let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. And David Flatman was on our podcast the other day, and he lives in Bath, and he's very. You know, he was talking about his love for the butchers. Do you two have a lot of conversations about that? We do. He's actually a regular at the stall. Um, I think I think he enjoys it. But yeah, so I played with Flats as well when he was at Bath. So I've known him for yeah. a long time. Uh, but a lot of the barbecue and stuff we talk about. He's got his little outdoor kitchen now as well, which I'm very jealous of. But it's good. The Loose Heads Clubhouse podcast is sponsored by two wonderful organisations. Days, non-alcoholic beer, 100% beer, 0% alcohol, brewed in Scotland and B Corp certified. 2% of their sales go towards progressive mental health initiatives. It's beer for doing and great for active people and opening up conversations. They have just launched in Wagamama's and Tesco. It tastes great and they've provided us with a special discount just for you. Enter code LOOSEDS20 for 20% off at checkout. And 4-5, CBD and vitamin brand created by professional rugby players George Cruz and Dom Day after suffering injuries during their playing careers. They have thousands of athlete customers and are the official wellness partner to Leicester Tigers and Saracens. You can find them in Boots, Next and Tesco. And exciting news, they have just launched their hydration tablet. They too have provided us with a bespoke discount code. Enter code LH20 for 20% off over at their website, 45.com. Just to talk a little bit about uh, England as well. Uh, obviously, you, you got the call up. What what was what was that like initially? It was the call up to the squad uh, was a shock. That was back in 2016. Yeah, um, and then it took me a while to get the call up into 23. So it took I think 2019 was yeah. my first call up to the squad to the, the actual 23. Um, and then I didn't get on, uh, so it was pretty pretty a tough one. Um, and then a week later, there was a lockdown. So yeah. it then took me another. And have a night, pretty much nine, ten months to get back in the squad to get my debut. And it was actually two years ago, a couple of days ago. It was, it was October the 31st, 2020. Yeah. So it was um, a couple of years ago now. But yeah, it was pretty special. Um, I think I pit, if I put all the pieces together, it's a very special moment. Um, when I went up to Scotland in 2019, I didn't get on. My parents came and watched me. My family came and watched. We do the anthem and stuff. Obviously, didn't get to watch me play. Yeah. And then obviously in lockdown, unfortunately, they couldn't watch me play either. But they got to see me there at Scotland. So, all in all, it was an amazing experience. And I'm very proud of it. You said that your your family didn't get to didn't get to see you, but um, there was a uh, there was a video that went round on social media afterwards showing just how proud you were to represent your country. You were talking to your family. How special was that? You know, receiving the cap and being on the phone to to your family. Yeah, no, it was special. Um, I feel like everyone's route into rugby is different everyone's route into international games different and what people achieve means different things to different people some people who come through the academy system they're playing for their first team at 20 years old playing for England at 22 when they reach 50 caps it's, it's a big day for them they kind of yeah. but it was always not expected because they, they work very hard these individuals do work 
incredibly hard and they do achieve and they do deserve it. But for me to get that one cap was massive. Um, going from a 19-year-old without a contract anywhere yeah. to then getting a first-team contract at the Bath, then getting in the squad and then three or four years later getting my debut, it was... Um, it was a big day and it was a massive achievement for me. Yeah, I think in that video as well, you said you had 8% battery with about 100 people to get back to. What was more frustrating? <laughs> Having 8% battery is also very frustrating. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said that. Um, but yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was a special day. Um, yeah. It's one I remember. Yeah. Um, just to bring it on to something a little bit more lighthearted and a bit stupid. Um, we have a, a section in this podcast that's sponsored by Sam James, place of sale, uh, and it's called the Pensive Pre-Pod Poo Ponder. And this week, his question is, um, if you could have the answer to one question in life, what would it be? Which is a bit of a, a deep one, actually, this week. Usually, it's it's quite lighthearted. And you know, last week, it was on, a, on an aeroplane, which armrest is yours? So it, 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 it's varying. Yeah. <laughs> this one's quite a deep one. Uh, I'd probably like to know when I'm going to die. That's a bit deep as well, I know. But that is quite deep. I'd like to know when, when the uh, expiry date is, so I can plan it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but on that's... that date, that'd be you. Know, you can't, you're not edible anymore. That's you. You're gone. You're in the bin. Yeah. That, that date. That, you know. That's quite a scary one to know, though, isn't it? Because what if it's... I think you really make most of it, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, true. You'd rather know. I'm saving now for when I'm 60 years old, but I could actually spend that money if I'm going to go under a bus at 55. <laughs> I've got some income now I can spare. Yeah, no spot on spot on and um what's um what's what's your what's your question for the next guest um obviously i didn't do that last week with with simi pam um so i've left the gym question for you but what would be your question for the next guest uh i think now um if you i'm gonna go a bit nauseous but rugby but rugby you're on yeah stage. we love that we love that um, what if you could pick a position what would you pick as a player, and then who would you like to play against? Nice. Yeah, I've, got really, I've, got, I've got three minutes till yoga. Yeah, no, th- thanks Thanks for having a chat today, Tom. Um, I've seen Thank it's you. your birthday next week as well, so happy birthday. Have a great day. Go well this weekend, and best of luck for the rest of the season. And looking forward to seeing the, the chop, chop, chop. All right, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, Take mate. care, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.